Welcome to Heating Up, a podcast about climate change, our dangerous future, and what you can do about it. I'm Corinne. I'm Derek. And yeah, thanks for listening. That's the part we need to work on. We have it like, I'm Corinne, I'm Derek, and then it's new well, line. Yeah. You know, new line. It's been about a year. We should figure <laughs> it out. A little over a year now. We should be there now. But we're close. Uh, what's new with you, Corinne? Uh, nothing. I've got allergies, which everyone thinks is coronavirus, which is great. Stay away from me. Um, and not much else. Just sort of working and seeing that all of the things I have planned on are going to be canceled. So a little depressed about that, but that's okay. I guess I'll save some money. Yeah. I don't want to say I told you so. (laughs) Derek. (laughs) But I mean, with this, what's interesting is, you know, with the coronavirus, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I doubt there's any of our listeners who aren't taking it seriously, but there are plenty of people that don't seem to be like, that are like, oh, it's fake, or most people, and, you know, it's not a real, there's no real danger from it. And even if you are personally not likely to be, like, I'm a fairly, you know, I'm in a good shape. You're a young adult. I'm a good 30 years old. I'm fit. I'm not any, I don't have any health problems. Even if I get full-on coronavirus. And I'm, all of your immediate family. Your wife is young and healthy. Your son is young and healthy. And it's not harming kids. It's harming no. the elderly, right? Sure. Yeah. But it's one of these things where I can then pass it along. Right. So the whole idea is take it seriously and start to self-quarantine, everybody. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast... It better be in your room. Yeah. Start taking it seriously. Like, all of the sports have started to close down. The, and when the NBA shuts itself down, yeah, you Disneyland know has Disneyland. shut down. Nope. They've only shut down twice, like, three times ever. I think when they else? shut down for, like, Fire 9-11. Uh, <laughs> they shut down right. for, uh, I think, when Kennedy was shot. Mm-hmm. Like, they shut down for the big ones. The big ones. They, they don't shut down for anything. They shut yeah. down for that. So right. they're shut down this weekend. So the self-quarantine and all this stuff, it's mostly for the protection of others more than anything. And to yeah. keep it from spreading and keep it going, sort of let it sort of die out. There's a uh, a couple of graphics, a couple of like charts that are talking about like uh, flatten the curve. Right. Uh, so the idea is even if you can survive it, if we get too many people all at once, we overwhelm the ability of our healthcare system to provide care for people. Right. That's the problem. It spikes. And then during that spike... That we overload the system. So rather than just like a short spike of the the virus, we want to kind of spread it out for a while, keep it, you know, really, really like low level so that if you do need lame. help, you can, you can get care. But now I'm probably not going to get to see Tig Notaro run my 10K, which is kind of a blessing in disguise. Or go to Europe. Did they so, officially cancel your race? I know they've been they canceling They have not officially canceled my race. I can't imagine they're going to go on with the Zoo Zoom of Sacramento. Yeah, a buddy of mine was going to run the Shamrock Half Marathon yeah. this weekend. That's, that's, that's canceled. Gone. Yeah. And then, yeah, like we've said before, it's self-quarantine means actually stay in your home, guys. Don't go out to eat. Don't. What about running? Like if you go outside to run instead of the gym. A lot of people are saying that, you know, if you're by yourself, that's fine. We don't really know everything. It does seem like coronavirus is able to spread through the air. There was that bus that, you know, like people were affected with no real contact. So Right. But in the running open seems air. Fine. Yeah. Sure. Just don't go into anywhere where there's crowds or anywhere where you could potentially contaminate people. Yeah. yeah running on the street seems okay. But, Not you know, probably gym. avoid the gym. Yes, I can't go to the gym. Yeah. There you go. But, you know, avoid the grocery store. Avoid... Anything that you really don't have to go to. Well, the grocery store might be something you have to go to. (laughs) Well, and we have talked about it in the past. Hopefully, our listeners have gotten two weeks of water and food already at home, so they kind of don't have to go panic buy toilet paper. Uh, Nobody really needs to do that. (laughs) Sure. 
<laughs> even if you're low on toilet paper. But I mean, like, I get why people, like, it's easy to make fun of the, you know, the toilet yeah. paper buyers, but I get why they're doing that. At the very least, it's kind of like they're trying to get some level of control over their life. Mm -hmm. Like, they're clearly anxious about this. They don't have, they're not prepared. They don't have anything. What can they do? I got this toilet paper. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they don't know what else to do. They don't if really I get have diarrhea, a plan. We're good. Yeah, and so they know it's a commodity, and they just grab it. And I mean, that's not the only thing. You can't. The one I was at the store today. Actually, I went just to double check that it, you know everything was there. Pick up a few extras. Uh, you know, food wise, some shelf stable stuff, and I just kind of looked around to see what was actually there. There was tons of water. Mm -hmm. There was. Plenty of toilet paper, to be honest. Plenty of paper towels. The only thing they were really out of was the san hand sanitizer. Which you don't really need. Which, soap actually works better. Yeah, soap actually works better. They did have plenty of soap and bleach, you know, which you can make your own sort of bleach solution. We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. um, so really, it's all still there, at least here in Sacramento. I know that there are places there where the panic is starting to set in. And so grocery stores are getting cleared out. Um, so get there early. Go today. If you haven't been, if you are not sure if you have two weeks worth for your family, do it now. Yeah. Like, stop listening to us idiots ramble on and go do the thing you know or you need to do. Or do that while you drive over there. Yeah. I did do my initial look through and kind of went, oh, crap. You know, I never really got the full two weeks of emergency food. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, I'm not as bad off as I thought. I did, I general buy in bulk. So it's like I do have plenty of oatmeal and beans and rice and so i was like hey not as bad as i thought if i really couldn't go to the grocery store today i would be okay for two weeks so one of the things that's nice about you know this one is that it really does seem like one of those long slow emergencies mm -hmm. so like the deep pantry is really useful in this case because even in wuhan china they never really lost utilities mm -hmm. so they still had running water they still had electricity so they still had refrigeration which means all of those things can be brought into your food prep so you know, if you need to, just go out and buy a ton of frozen vegetables. And, fro and frozen vegetables is probably a good thing to go for because one of the things that will likely run out if this is a prolonged kind of global pandemic is the supply chains for fresh vegetables that come right. from around the world. So the mm -hmm. further away your food come from, the harder it's going to be to get here. So buying some frozen berries or something might not be a bad idea if yeah. you want to have some strawberries later. Yeah, so coronavirus. I don't know what else to say, really. I mean, we could talk for the whole hour about corona if we really wanted to. The, the issue is that there's so much information already out about it. I think that it's kind of an overload for a lot of people at sure. this point. They're kind of shutting it out. So if you want to get more coronavirus information... you got plenty of room to do that. Plenty of other places to get it. Like I said, The Prepared is keeping up their daily updates, which is a really good source of information. CDC, everywhere else. Um, the internet. I just book on what people are saying on Twitter. Yeah, um, that's what most people do. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, coronavirus is everywhere right now. You know, we did tell you that it's coming. We did. <laughs> you heard it here first. But no, I mean, start to self-quarantine. Be safe. Be realistic. Enjoy our podcast while you're doing other things at home. But it is a serious deal. If you're not ready to stay at home for two weeks or more right now, get, get ready. There. Get there quickly. Make that a priority in life. Uh, and I think that's really all we're going to say about corona today. So... If you're bored at home because of the coronavirus, here comes your entertainment. Yeah, you can listen to some of our older podcasts as well. We did one about food storage and water and the deep pantry. All those are in the climate plague. Um, all of those would be relevant to coronavirus. But yeah, get your information out there. Today we're going to do uh, old-fashioned news quiz for Corinne. Going to keep it light on death and destruction, okay. but going to do a news quiz. This is so, where everyone learns how ignorant I really am. Yeah, Corinne, are you ready for the news? Sure. 
Our first story brings us to Australia. Oh, poor Australia. As always. They've got it too, Corona. Yeah, of course they do. Well, doesn't Tom Hanks Tom have Corona? Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson in Australia have Corona. Ugh. National treasures. Okay. Not for Australia, I guess. <laughs> so, either way, in the aftermath of all the mega fires, an old threat to Australia's bio- biosphere has emerged from the ashes, so to speak. Mm. Uh, our good friends, the cane toads. Uh, sure, uh, the good friends. Yeah, so they've been a big problem in uh, New South Wales for a decade. These are the like invasive species, those frogs that just like eat all the native right, wildlife okay. and take over. Yeah. There have been a couple documentaries about them. But yeah, they're a big, big problem invasive species in uh, Australia. And what their problem is now is that the bushfires have cleared so much land that the cane toads now have like no obstacles to spreading even quicker and further. What they had found before is that cane toads take a path of least resistance. So they traveled much quicker over like manicured lawns and asphalt mm. than the natural undergrowth with all the rocks and trees and brush. Right. Makes sense. But now all that's gone. Right. So the cane toads have got like a highway to hell. Running wild. So they're None trying to... None of them burned up? Come on. <laughs> Nothing stops the cane toads. God. Um, burnt land makes it easier for toads to travel as they are basically lazy, said Tamar Cohen of the Border Rangers Richmond Valley Land Care Network, uh, who are the people, I guess, responsible for preventing toad expansion. Uh, Ms. Cohen said cane toads have been found on properties near the Richmond Range National Park, which until now has been cane toad free. This mm-hmm. is one of, uh, like, the in the park, I guess, did not actually burn during the fires. So okay. it's a really kind of important kind of refuge at this moment. Right. But good news, Corinne. Yeah. They're tracking the cane toads with dogs that have learned how to smell them. A special team has been established to control the pest, and Sydney dog trainer Steve Austin has been using Steve his, Austin? Not, no relation, yeah. <laughs> has been using his English Springer Spaniels, Tommy and Becky, along with Cocker Spaniel Emma, to help hunt them out. They can find the toads and, by scent and stand and point when their nose when they are there. All three dogs are conservation dogs, which means they have been trained in a passive response. They stop and stare at their catch, but do not hurt it. Mm. Um, although I did hear that like cane toads like emit like a toxin that like if dogs eat them, it's bad for the dog. Right. So probably best that they don't actually go and don't kill the dog. Bite yeah. Them. So you ready for your question? God. Okay. What's my question? Bernie Sanders famously does not have a dog and wouldn't want you to know his name even if he did. <laughs> but Sleepy Joe does have two dogs. Joe Biden. Champ is an elderly good boy. And so last year, Biden adopted a younger dog of the same breed named Major. What breed are Joe Biden's dogs? Oh, man. Okay. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. Um, I'm going to guess Golden Retriever. Nope. Sorry. That's Bailey. Uh, that was Elizabeth Warren had a Golden Retriever, right? <gasps> yeah. I think. I don't know. They're German Shepherds. German Shepherds? So, yep. That does not make sense to me. Bad start for Corinne. Oh, for one. Well, that bad start for Biden. Don't buy a... <laughs> German Shepherds are huge. Yeah, too. And they die soon because. Okay. Champ and Major. I mean, I like German But he shepherds. bought a young dog to help his old dog. Yeah, that's uh, cute. I guess. Anyways. Oh, yeah, we could talk about the election. And no, I'm... we're not. Nope. Moving on. <laughs> oh. uh, story number two. Too soon, Cran. Too soon. Okay. This is a story that's going to really hurt my daughter. Uh, oh, Minecraft is destroying No, itself? nothing about Minecraft. This is about Nutella. Oh, God, that was, you should just give me a couple of tries to guess. I was like, wolves? A wolves problem? Uh, No, this one is Nutella. Uh, Hazelnuts are about to experience or possibly could be experiencing a worldwide shortage. Mm -hmm. So hazelnuts are an agricultural product that's a perfect example of why so many different industries are vulnerable to climate change. 
because 70% of the hazelnuts out there come from this one region of Turkey. Wow, really? Yeah, I did not know that. The biggest buyer is Ferrero, who is the maker mm-hmm. of Nutella. And the nuts are picked mainly by migrants, including children who lurk, work long oh, hours God. for low pay. Like pretty much every agricultural product, it's bad in that regards. But this is bad because what is happening is the the high temperatures in the Black Sea are causing more rain which is leading to much bigger and much more severe storms during the agricultural season for hazelnuts. Mm -hmm. So like in 2018, it was responsible for the loss of thousands of pounds of nuts. And so uh, they're saying that perhaps as much as 20 or 30% of the product could be lost due to Mm -hmm. the severe storms that could be happening in Turkey due to the rising temperatures in the Black Sea. I'm just going to ask if you have your uh, deep pantry for Nutella specifically. Yeah, so we've got to go out there and stock up on Nutella. You know what? Honestly, blessing in disguise. That kid should not be eating Nutella sandwiches. She loves them. I know, but that is not nutrition. It's not nutrition, no. All right. Are you ready for your question? I'm <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> what Nutella is really missing in the American market, though, is a mascot. Mm. The most famous nut, of course, according Mr. to my Peanut. research, yeah, is Mr. Peanut. Uh, but what is Mr. Peanut's real full name? Oh, my goodness. No. Sam. His name is Sam. His name is not Sam, no. What is his Sorry. name? That's 0 for 2, Corinne. His name is Bartholomew Richard Fitzgerald Smythe. Wow. Yeah. That is a No wonder he name. goes by Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut is... That's no wonder he wears a monocle. Does yeah. he wear a monocle? Or just a top hat? I thought he wore hat? a monocle. He wears a top hat for I'm sure. I'm missing him in the Monopoly guy. And he sells guy. other peanuts. Yeah, that's uh, a weird guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I had heard that like during Something the Super happened. Bowl... Well, during the Super Bowl, there was supposed to be like Mr. Peanut was going to be killed, but he was going to like die in a helicopter crash. And then the Kobe, and then Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. So the Mr. Peanut company decided probably best not to air that commercial. Mm-hmm. So it was a little confusing. But yeah, anyways, that's his real name or was. I don't know. Okay. Well, this one, I don't feel so bad about my level of intelligence. No, nobody knew that one. That I one have, was designed to be a zero. Huh? I feel okay about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Corinne, you might want to pay attention to the next story, considering that you are forever alone. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, last episode, we talked a little bit about overpopulation during our news and nonsense mm-hmm. section. And we've mentioned in the past the birth strike movement, which is a lot of uh, young women are choosing not to have children and not to uh, procreate because of the problems that are likely to be in the future for climate change. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole other segment of people who are getting down because Gross. of the environment. Yeah. So, because of the environment? Yeah. Dating website OkCupid has identified a pattern they are calling Thurnberging, where potential lovers bond over their shared enthusiasm for environmental issues, and is so suitably named after the world's most famous climate activist, although kind of creepy considering she's she's like 17. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. This isn't our news story. we have to talk about it? Yeah. Well, I think we should let people know that this is just the disgusting creepiness that people do. Okay. But there was, yeah, that oil company that was in Canada that made a sticker with their logo on it, and it was designed to look like someone was having... A graphic image yeah. of a child. Of, so it, that it was would designed be to look like Greta. somebody was uh, having sex with Greta Thunberg, really. And it was just... So that's child pornography. Yeah, it was so sickening and disgusting. Yeah. But, yeah, ugh, Men crazy. Men are the worst. Yes. But that's not what we're talking about here. Now we're talking about shared love of enthusiasm for environmental issues, causing people to get hooked up. Yeah. (laughs) 
The website says it has seen a 240% increase in mentions of climate change and other environmental terms on dating profiles in the last two years. And interesting, in 2019, there was a 800% increase in mentions of Thunberg specifically. Huh. Uh, which, again, seems kind of gross considering she's only 17. Well, they could be discussing how great she is as not sexually. I guess, but it's on OkCupid. Okay I don't know. Either and way. It's not all maybe, sex on Maybe there. in your opening profile on OkCupid, okay you don't need to mention Greta Thunberg. Uh, maybe they say they admire her. It I might guess. Not, I Either don't way. know that these are... I but is would, that a sexy quality in someone? I don't know. I don't it know that be. everything's supposed to be sexy on there. I would imagine some things are just to get across your personality. And you're just like, if you're a grand fan of Greta Thunberg, you can pretty much say like, aka you right wingers, you can stay away from this. You know, Fair it's enough. a great what is what they call Lead that? Out the, uh... Yeah, it's a signal. Gotcha. All right, you ready for your third question? A little uh, easier this time. Sure. What Let's country hope. is Greta from? She is from Sweden. Ding ding ding! Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One for My three. Favorite that one was the gimme. That one was the gimme. <laughs> I was like, shoot, is she from Switzerland? <laughs> I could see you. So, Norwegia. I, I decided to go with my instinct yeah, instead of my worry answer. All right. Ready for story number four? Yes. Uh, this one highlights just kind of how literal the idea of disaster capitalism is sometimes. Okay. Um, so the term was coined by Naomi Klein about exactly that. People coming in after natural disasters and imposing like strict free market economics on people. Mm -hmm. um, this story I saw was about a storm on March 3rd. So a devastating storm claimed 24 lives across four counties in Middle Tennessee, destroying some 400 homes in Nashville. Right, And if that wasn't bad enough, as city workers started to arrive and clean up the effective neighborhoods, real estate investors were already on the scene. So the neighborhood was trashed, trees were down, power lines were down, people were just coming out of their homes to kind of assess the damage. And real estate investors were walking the streets, handing out cards, asking people if they wanted to sell their <sighs> homes. Yeah. Hey, you're desperate. Yeah. The predominantly African-American neighborhood of North Nashville was struck hard by the storm, and some volunteers arrived to help. They said that land speculators had already been there passing out business cards. So, like, they showed up to help people, and they were like, oh, this guy gave me his card or It's whatever. just networking, Derek. So, yeah, gentrification is already an issue in the neighborhood, which had been designated an opportunity zone as part of the Trump administration's tax incentive program to lure capital to distressed areas. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Opportunity zone? Yeah, an opportunity zone program allows investors to defer their tax liability on capital gains by investing in assets within uh, the community. Basically, what it does is it allows you uh, to not pay taxes on things you buy and land you buy in that area, so qualified investments, which has resulted in what critics call a once-in-a-lifetime uh, bonanza for elite investors. So it adds more incentive to Always investors incentives. to go in and buy, speculate on land, essentially, in these distressed areas. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So by almost any indicator, North Nashville is a highly distressed community. A report by the Brookings Institution found that the zip code that encompasses North Nashville has the highest incarceration rate in the country, mm. uh, for example. But the area may be uniquely vulnerable to exploitation in the wake of a disaster. The think tank that helped to write the Opportunity Zone leg legislation, the Economic Innovation Group, has compiled detailed statistical reports with scores measuring a community's well-being. Among those scores is the cold and calculating sounding social vulnerability index, which measures the community's ability to endure crises. Communities that are more vulnerable to disasters, whether natural or human-made, have higher risk factors. Uh, on a scale of 0 to 1, 
North Nashville track uh, on this misery meter a rating of 0.98. So almost That's... a perfect score as far as social <laughs> vulnerability. Oh. Uh, which is terrible, really. Don't know what else to say about that. Um, so right now, people there are struggling to get their basic needs met, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. they come out, uh, you know, they've, they're already in a highly social vulnerable network. So I'd imagine there's already so many stresses. And then, of course, to be hit by a disaster, to be hit by these tornadoes and storms, you know, knocking out power, maybe a tree falls on their house. Yeah. And then, you know, they don't, they're wondering how they're going to get to work. How are they going to get pay their bills? How are they going to do these things? And then somebody comes around and offers them a lowball offer for fast cash on their mm-hmm. house. It's just predatory. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, Nashville isn't unique, of course, in this problem. We saw this in the aftermath of Katrina right. and the fires out here in California. It's just a reminder that, you know, there's these overlaying disasters. So literally disaster capitalism. So when these natural disasters occur the system we have in place makes them worse, compounds the problem. So always worth remembering that, guys. It can get worse. Lovely. Uh, Next question, Corinne. You ready? Yes. Nashville's famous Centennial Park is home to the only full-size replica of the Greek Parthenon. Uh, What city is the original Parthenon from? We're in, I guess. It's still there. It's a ruin, but it's there. Uh, Athens? Yeah. Yes. I was like, is that too obvious? I was like, does she know any cities in Greece? Was the question. Well, luckily, our friends one of one of our good friends was born in Greece, <laughs> and has recently traveled there, and so I, yeah. All right. So look at that. Two for two. Well, That's an two F. Two for four. Two for four. <laughs> two and two. <laughs> That's an F. Pretty good. All right. We're here. We're it's all coming down to question number five. Then, Corinne, you ready? And people, you know, it's like George Bush's approval rating. Remember, he was like fifty percent. Uh, sure, he's like 50%. <laughs> okay. All right, Corinne, so this last story, number five here, is, I guess, corona adjacent. Okay. <laughs> Everything is now. <laughs> right. Um, but you've probably heard about flight shaming. I have uh, not. So this was uh, Greta uh, Thunberg, uh, speaking of her, again, Greta Thunberg yes. adjacent. She famously took a boat yeah. to a conference in New York to highlight just how like uh, the climate impact of flights is. Sure, sure. Because they, yeah, compared to driving or flying or rail... They're just huge emitters of CO2. So a lot of people buy like carbon offsets for their flights and things like this. It's buy be- carbon offsets? Yeah, it's a weird thing rich people do. Uh, basically, if you're going to do something that's destructive, you then pay for somebody else to not burn the carbon or something. It's a weird... It doesn't matter. What? Yeah, it's, it, it's white you nonsense. You said that like someone would know what that is. <laughs> well, there's people that... I know what it is. Oh, uh, okay. Sadly, sadly, I know. <laughs> okay. But anyways, it's ridiculous. Bottom line is, flying planes, not great for the planet. Mm-hmm. But you may have also heard that due to, in large part to the fear of the coronavirus, many, many, many flights are being canceled or like they're basically empty. Yeah. And then people just aren't traveling like they were. In fact, we are ourselves debating whether we're going to be taking our vacation in June based I on a lot of things. I say yes. <laughs> so either way. You would think that perhaps all of these canceled travel plans would lead to less flights. No, they're same amount of flights. Same amount of flights. This is the problem. Ghost flights. Yeah. So what's happening is the airlines... Has to get to Texas for the layover to do the... Not even that. Because they could... they're, They're whizzes at rerouting things. The problem is that in Europe in particular, airlines offer up like better docking places and better boarding times and whatever else based on airlines that use that facility more. So if you're flying into the London airport and you fly in, your airliner flies in there 95 times a day and the other one only does 50, you get priority, Mm. right? But if you start dropping your flights, 
and somebody else has more flights than you, then they... Oh. So in order to maintain their position in line... They're keeping them going. They're flying ghost flights. So they're flying airplanes with no passengers oh, or like God, two passengers. Literally horrible. no passengers on a transatlantic flight just to keep their spot in line at an airport in Europe somewhere. And this is mostly in Europe. They don't have that in the United they States. They do have it some here, but it's mainly flights over there from what I was reading at least. Um, but yeah, so these controversial use it or lose it rules are forcing people... or not forcing, the airlines are just choosing to fly empty airliners around the country, around the world. Man, I'm not that bad. Which, I mean, that just shows how the free market is so efficient and really good at allocating resources. Wow. Uh, so I guess they have to maintain 80% of their uh, like allocated windows. So they have to run all these flights no matter whether they have enough people for them or not. Lovely. Uh, yeah, good times. Good so you times. would think that the bonus of this would be to lose some carbon emissions and things, but nope. Well, there there definitely is some carbon emissions going down. I mean, we talked a bit last week or last time about the emissions drop in China. And as we see, you know, Italy and all these other countries going on lockdown and eventually the U.S. as well, we're going to see significant decreases in carbon output during that time. It's only temporary, obviously, mm -hmm. but... but it's we'll better it. than if we didn't have the disruption, right? Yeah. Well, and even just the economic loss. So sure. the only time in the last, in my lifetime, that carbon emissions have gone down was the 2008 recession. Right. And so no, no economic or no environmental policies, no, you know, New Deal, no UN regulations, nothing caused them to go down. The only thing that went down is when the stock market crashed. You know what? Maybe the environmentalists invented coronavirus. Yeah, who knows? They're like, kill off the old people, lower the population, make the carbon emissions go down. Those terrorists did Those it. Those terrorists, the eco-terrorists, uh -huh. the saboteurs. Is Elf still around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, so yeah, these flights are going. That's crazy. Are you ready for your final trivia question, This is Karen? a tiebreaker, eh? I guess so, yeah. Well, you know, I still got two. I mean, best case scenario, three out of five ain't great. <laughs> but we'll, Listen, we'll go for it. Listen, that's what I was aiming for in high school. It's what I'm aiming for now. All right. Trivia. Yeah. The Wright brothers are generally credited with flying the first successful motor-operated airplane. Yes. What were their first names? Ian and Aaron. No, wrong on two counts. <laughs> Sorry. Those were really good guesses. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Ian and Aaron. <laughs> they, I don't know. Orville and Wilbur. Ah, oh, shit. I knew that, too. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly knew that one. I All right. Did. Sorry, friend. Two out of five. You know, I got two. You There's been zero two. for zeros. Have there? Yeah. I always try and throw a Remember gimme out there. Remember that one that I guessed the exact number? That was true. Yeah. That was like the first one. Yeah. You've been living off of that for a year now. I'll never forget it. Just <laughs> well, like that time you run Judge John Hodgman as a... Not on it. I'm sorry. He yeah. named the episode. Yeah. He said my name. Yeah, he did. I don't even know if it was him or if it was his, but his assistant. You don't know? I can't remember. I, I listened to I'll it. I'll listen to it's it. It's at I the know. end. Anyway, At the end? Yeah, towards they the end. They said it right? Yeah. Nice. Wasn't Derek Wamkin or anything? I was expecting Wamkin. Yeah. So that's the uh, news for today, Corinne. Tried Not to keep it light bad, for you, considering actually, we're all about to die from coronavirus. Probably one of the best news segments we've had. Yeah, not a lot of death and destruction. Yeah. I kept it real easy peasy Much for you. Much appreciated. Also, we have our kind of prepper segment for this week. Okay. Uh, we're not actually going to do much, but it is going to be one of the videos we release. So Ooh. next week, we'll have our first baking video for you guys. We think. We hope. We tried uh, we this tried before. We tried it before. It didn't work out great. We're going to try it again. Yeah. But we're going to bake a cake this time, Corinne, in honor of our slightly over one year anniversary. Okay, and this so, cake. Long time listeners of the podcast will know 
that <laughs> Heating Up Podcast launched at the end of February last year. Right. So we made it a year. No one thought we would do this, not even you, Corinne. I hoped we wouldn't, but here we are. <laughs> here we still are. <laughs> uh, I mean, coronavirus is coming, so maybe not. Maybe but, it'll put me out. Yeah, maybe two years won't be enough, but we made it a year. So I found a great prepper segment, which ties in so well with everything we're talking about and makes a cake at the end. Wow. Are you going to tell us more? Yeah, we're going to make trench cake have you heard of trench cake? doesn't sound super good if i'm being honest no. would you uh like to know that it is a fruit cake <sighs> that is not cake <laughs> <laughs> so fruit let me give you the history of trench cake okay. all right it's so, not even a hummingbird cake or something those are just regular cakes this is a classic prepper item okay so trench cake gets its name from the trenches of world war one yeah that's why it doesn't sound delicious yeah no uh, the origin story for this cake is what made it is that it was made and sent to soldiers on the front lines of the war. Now, it may be hard for some of us to realize today, considering that we live in a state of perpetual war and it doesn't seem to matter at all. Right. But as recently as, you know, the World War II, wars actually caused, you know, significant hardships on the home front. Right. And so World War I was no exception. In England... Everything was rationed for the war effort. People were sending out their dogs to help. They were sending out old tires. Yeah, so if you were living in the home, you were expected to conserve and you were rationed in what you could own or what you could have and all of your supplies. You couldn't go to the store and you know buy all the stuff. You were given a small amount of stipend of things. And so just life was really hard. In fact, one of the things that was rationed were eggs. So even if you kept chickens, you were expected to donate all oh of your eggs to the gosh. war effort and such. And so in this sort of situation, people at home wanted to send something nice to the troops to keep their, you know, because they were dying in the trenches of World War One. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they need a little 16, morale. 17, 18 yeah. year olds. Uh, yeah. So they needed a little morale boost. And so they had to really kind of make do. And so the reason this is kind of a classic prepper cake is because it's really good at getting you to think about alternatives for baking. So this cake doesn't really use any sugar which would have been heavily rationed. Uh -huh. It doesn't use any eggs, which again, were rationed. And would not keep. Yeah, and wouldn't keep. And so instead it uses, I mean, if you ever made a, a volcano in uh, in school, You're baking soda and vinegar, good. so it uses that to get the leavening. It uses molasses uh, or honey in our case for the, uh, for the sugar content. So these are the sort of things that you can exchange in if you need to make do. So what's good about this is it's pantry cooking. Yeah. So it's a from scratch cake that uses alternatives and it's a great way to use what you have in store so as we're talking about staying at home and not going out to the store one of the ways you can do that is by using what you have and maybe it isn't perfect maybe it's not the right. best cake you've ever made in your life it's no freeport bakery which thank god sent me an email is not closing but it is a cake and it does teach you how to use these other things use alternatives so if you don't have item a use item b you know if you're looking in your pantry so let's say you've been quarantine for corona for three weeks and you're getting down to the bare dredges in your pantry sometimes you just got to make do you know throw together the five... trenches cake yeah the trench cake um it also talks about the importance of morale right so again yeah. in a bad situation that seems to be going on for a long time little little nuggets like a terrible cake that has pieces of fruit in it <laughs> you know cake. will go a long way having good morale you know doing something that may not be the most vital but raises spirits is a really good thing to you know pay attention to in a disaster situation especially kind of a long-term uh, emergency like this one that we're about to experience or starting to experience this mm -hmm. so i thought it was a perfect kind of prep to do this week i think it sounds good
The other thing is, it is a fruitcake, and fruitcakes do last quite a while. So if stored once made, it will have very, you know, it will have a very long shelf life. If you store this thing well, if you refrigerate it or whatever, you could have this cake last two, three months easy. A lot more than a regular cake. And I know you like your booze, Corinne. Traditionally, the cake was wrapped in like cheesecloth that had been soaked in rum. Nice. Yeah. So boozy cheese or boozy. Uh, boozy fruit, fruit cake. cake. Yeah. All of my favorite things. Yeah, but what is nice about it is, yeah, pretty much everything in it can be substituted out. So it does use some flour, but if you don't have cake flour, use all-purpose flour. And, like, that's kind of the point of it. It uses, you know, uh, dehydrated fruit, but, you know, if you have raisins, use that. If you have craisins in your house, use that. If you have whatever you've got, throw that in there, use it. So the idea is to really kind of get creative and to use these substitutions and then just bake it and see what happens. And will it be the best cake you've ever eaten? No. I can tell you that right now. But Always will it be a cake that. that you ate or that you made and then you ate? Yes, it will. So that's going to be our prepper uh, video that we're going to do this week. We're going to show you how to bake this cake. You can find instructions for making it on the internet. Just type in trench cake. They'll give you some examples of it. It'll be a lot of fun. Beautiful. So you ready to get going? Going now? Yeah, baking we're a cake. making it right now. Right now. Three, two, one, go. Go. No, but uh, thank you guys for listening this week. We'll have that video out next week after this pod drops. Uh, so if you liked us, please like, subscribe, uh, write a review, do all the things, send us an email. Wash your hands. Definitely keep washing your hands. Get ready for coronavirus. Thank you all this week. I know it's a kind of short episode, but... Uh, fun one. Yeah, trying to keep it fun. We will see you guys in a week or two. All right. Bye. Bye.